listeners, and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm Dr. Kim Ozano, and together with a selection of co-hosts from around the world, we discuss the ways in which people and communities connect with research and science. We hear from patients and survivors, health workers, policymakers, scientists, and implementing research organizations about the methods and approaches that they apply to co-produce knowledge to address current global health challenges. Thank you for listening, and on to this week's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. We have a brand new series for you this month, and it's all about engaging communities in addressing antenatal and postnatal care in Kenya, Nigeria, and Tanzania. So we have a couple of acronyms for you, antenatal care, ANC, and postnatal care, PNC. So just listen out for those. So why is this important? Well, antenatal care is essential, of course, for protecting the health of women and their unborn babies. And positively, demand has increased and continues to do so in most parts of the world. However, it's estimated while seven out of eight pregnant women do attend a healthcare provider for antenatal care on at least one occasion, only 59% attend four times or more. So we'll be trying to understand why that's occurring and to learn more about research that is taking place to improve comprehensive care for women and babies. To start the series, this episode will begin by exploring implementation research or capacity strengthening for antenatal and postnatal care improvements. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with implementation research, it seeks to understand how established interventions can work in routine conditions, so everyday life. And the great thing about implementation research is it doesn't have to wait till the end where findings are taken up, but rather the findings are taken up along the research cycle. So we can see the changes and the benefits and, and revise them as they go. In the context of maternal and child health, this includes the study of influences on healthcare professionals and organizational behavior for improving maternal and child health. So this week's episode's guests are Dr. Ozo Aguirre, who is a senior research associate at the Department for International Public Health in the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, and Dr. Leonard Catalambula, who is the head of public health department at the University of Dodoma. They will be talking about implementation research and capacity strengthening as part of the Global Health-funded program on quality improvement in antenatal and postnatal care in Tanzania. Before we begin, I have a wonderful new co-host with me, as always, uh, Lucy Nyanga. Welcome and tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, Kim, and good afternoon from Kenya and uh, good day for everyone from wherever you are listening to us across the globe. As you've heard, my name is uh, Lucy Nyaga. I am the country director at Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. I'm based in Kenya, the capital of Nairobi. Uh, basically, my background is uh, in a training in medical anthropology and public health. I have over 20 years experience in implementing health programs in Eastern Africa. My experience and expertise in maternal and newborn health has involved managing and implementing programs that incorporate uh, implementation research to inform effective programming and to influence policy. Most, if not all of these programs I have worked on, have had the component of implementation research, 
And therefore, I've given me the opportunity to promote the adoption of research results into policy as well as into practice. In the context of today's conversation, I'm really looking forward to the added component of capacity strengthening in implementation research, because I know as uh, researchers and program people, mainly we have had that component of implementation research, but we have not so much incorporated the aspect of building local capacities into our programs or into implementation research. And I really look forward to hearing from our guests and to really also sharing experiences and expertise with our listeners out there in the world. Lucy, wonderful. It sounds like you are perfectly positioned for this series and for the podcast. Can you just help us by understanding, I hear the word capacity strengthening, capacity building, uh, local capacity strengthening. What does that include? Just give us a few examples there. You know, really, uh, like I said, it involves building the capacity or training really uh you know the local teams that we have working with on the ground in africa here in eastern africa just incorporating that and uh, training them to be able to have the skills you know uh, the expertise so that once the program is over then uh, we have them carrying over the project with proper skills and expertise to implement perfect that's great so it's about training and skill development so that uh, that knowledge exchange can really happen by the sound of it So that's great. Thank you for defining that. So let's hear from our guest, Dr. Ozo Aguirre. Tell us a bit about yourself. How are you today? And a little bit about your background. Thank you, Kim. And thanks for bringing me to this program. Really excited to be here. My background is in pediatrics. I'm trained as a clinician. But in the last 15, 16 years, I have been doing mainly public health work in the area of implementation research. And my work has um, spanned across uh, different aspects of implementation, looking at how vaccines work, how to to get vaccines to be used in the real life situation, to working in health systems towards health system strengthening, ensuring that um, evidence-based research findings are being used routinely in the routine system. The, one of the things that really motivated me to come into implementation research was the recognition when I was still a full-fledged clinician that it could take up to 10 years before interventions that are effective in the North, quote-unquote, that is in the Western part of the world, to become implemented in the South where they are even more needed. That I'm supporting um, global funds projects that are being hosted in the Emergency Obstetric Care and Quality of Care Unit here in the Department of International um, Public Health in several countries, Nigeria, Kenya, Chad, um, Tanzania. Um, and that's what I do, supporting that, and then working in the monitoring and evaluate, evaluation part of it and data management. So I'm really happy to be here. Thanks very much. We get a lot of clinicians on the show that have transferred into research. So I think it's nice to hear about your journey. And so the passion for you really was, uh, you know, frustration around waiting so many years to see findings implemented. Is is, is that a good summary? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and as a pediatrician, it's very distressing to see children mm. die, you know, from something that an intervention is already available in the past decade. So that's really a big motivating factor for me. And I was pleasantly um, surprised, so to say, to find that that is also, that's also an opportunity to get involved in the wider health systems, you know, implementation research through that initial, um, initial interest. Thank you very much. 
So on to our other guest, uh, Leonard Catalambula. Does this resonate with your history as well? Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, yes, Kim. Thank you very much for for this opportunity to participate in, in this podcast where we are talking about implementation research. And uh, nice to hear from other colleagues and their experience and how they have participated in the implementation research. Uh, and also my background also as a, a lecturer, as you introduced me earlier, a lecturer at the University of the Dome and also head of department at the Department of Public Health. I was trained as a nutritionist earlier and then later on I trained as a public health. And uh, I've worked in this area of public health for more than 14 years. And uh, actually it was my passion to, to work as a researcher. I thought it is nice having a, an implementation research experience so that we can solve problems and uh, test the solutions. And then we can advise the government and the other stakeholders on the better way of tackling the, the, the problems. I can give an example that we tested just writing a letter to, to, to a male partner to increase the uptake of cervical cancer screening. That we are just testing an, a simple intervention that can improve cervical cancer screening. Just a letter to a male partner so you can allow and support the female partner to come for, for screening. This kind of research you'll you find they're very interesting and then can be cost effective and the government or other stakeholders can, can adapt. That's where the benefit of implementation research. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice to hear that journey as well. So you've already kind of given an example why it's really important for us as researchers to engage communities and people. Why is that a passion for you where you are? Because we want to solve problem of the community and this problem exists in the community and the community the one who knows what actually the problem so as researchers we cannot determine the problem on behalf of the community so it is better engaging the community when designing and also implementing the the, the research so that you can solve the real problems mm. as what we are saying thank you and can i ask you in the context where you work um, yes. When you're trying to engage communities and people, what do you have to think about? What are the considerations in Tanzania? Uh, the consideration in Tanzania when we want to engage the community is actually the situation that is existing in, in, in a specific place. And uh, sometimes the, the context may not be the same, even in the same country. So it is wise engaging the community in whatever you want to do. Uh, as you know, Tanzania is among the it's, it is no longer among the least developed country. It is among the middle, according to the World Bank classification. Mm -hmm. And we know that it is resource limited. Uh, and sometimes we cannot compare with the, the Western countries in terms of the solution that are available. So it is better engaging the community so that you can devise solutions that are relevant to the context of the country. That's where you can realize the benefit of implementation research. Because it considers the context as well. And you said different contexts within the country. Can you give me two examples? Sometimes we have in a place where a health facility is too far. Okay. That's the, the community cannot access easily. But you also another context you find the level of the level of uh, education is too low, that people knowing what they are supposed to do in terms of their health is also a challenge. So in a context where a health facility is too far, you need to have a mechanism that all people receive the same service. 
in a in a manner that is affordable and also it is easily accessible. So the context will, will determine the method of delivering the service. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I think we'll hear more about that. But before we move on too much here, uh, Ozo, could you tell us a bit about the project that you're working on right now? Uh, a few more details. Yeah, thanks, Kim. So there is a, a framework agreement between the Global Funds and the LSTM that actually focuses on trying to implement and scale up those interventions that would help to improve all the things you've mentioned earlier in the introduction. We're having in spite of the fact that um, larger numbers of women are attending antenatal care. We don't have good numbers attending postnatal care, something around 50%. We don't have good numbers doing four times. But generally, in a place like Tanzania, for instance, about 98% of the women would be seen by skilled health professionals. Yet, the maternal mortality rates over the last 10 years hasn't changed much, stands somewhere around 500,000, 500, sorry, for 100,000 life births. So this sort of challenge is what we are trying to um, look at how to address. And one of the things that has come out over time in research is that it's not all about coverage, but about the quality of the services that are being delivered. So what we are doing in the global health funds is to engage in quality improvement um, strategies and methodologies that will help to address this problem, improve maternal health, improve child health. Um, and the best way to approach this is through the implementation. We are designing, we're implementing different approaches. One of our big strategies is to train health workers. So these are the, these are the sort of things we are doing, introducing or supporting a standard-based form of you know, assessments whereby the health facilities and the workers are encouraged to look at things that they think they can accomplish and then look at how to do that, identify gaps in those, solve those gaps and just move on from there. So this is the area that, that is our passion in our work in the unit. Um, when um, Leonard was talking about the contest, one of the things that struck me is how within the same country, within the same contest, we can see a different um, group of populations. For instance, young people who are very internet savvy, they are you know, very keen to know what is new. They are receiving scientific information from all sorts of sources. So they have their own population that we need to take care of. Then you have a group of people that are not connected to this at all. So one of the things that we have found ourselves useful in doing is trying to find a common ground to reach these people through the community organizations, the CSOs that know the contest very well, engaging them and bringing them in at the level of, this, the, of discussions to start the research, participation, gathering information and dissemination has been a very important part of our research as well. Yeah, that's really important. Um, I like the term kind of finding a middle ground because we already heard we have urban rural contexts which are very different and age also uh, and education depends on health literacy and how they uh, kind of pick up information about health. I think we've not heard that before about, you know, new ways to learn uh, and young people, I guess that's changing and we need to keep up to date with that as researchers. I just wanted to bounce back and ask, are there contexts where we have other key stakeholders that we consider? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a wide range of stakeholders in our research whom I consider community for us. And this will start even from 
health system stakeholders. And this will come from the governance structure. And you can't really do much in any country without the Ministry of Health and all the different groups of people that work within that ministry to ensure that research goes on, ensure that research is ethically conducted, that it conforms to standards that are within the country, is in agreement with their funding plans, is in agreement with their priorities. And so that's a very important um, group of um, stakeholders that consist of community in our research. And, and then we mentioned the patients themselves it's important that we listen to what they think, what they consider important. I believe that one of the reasons why the four, the four times antenatal care attendance is not being attained as expected is that individual patients have what they think is wrong with the system. So you have large numbers starting off with the first one and they don't continue. They don't come for postnatal care. So that's a very important committee. We engage through qualitative interviews um, and all that. Then the health workers themselves, the healthcare uh, professionals or the practitioners themselves who are right in the front line, who are seeing this on a day-to-day -day basis and engage with the sort of thing Leonard was talking about, like how long it takes for patients to come to the facilities, how long they spend in the facility when they come, how readily they get the required diagnostics, investigations, results turn around. And then finally, the community that hosts the, the health facilities, the host community, which is what I alluded to earlier, that this is where you have the organizations that understand the governance structures of the communities, like the chiefs and all those sort of people. So these are all very important members of the community. We also don't forget that we have also come from a community, the academic and research international community that you know, we want to do things that are standardized and we're also going to be disseminating some of our findings today. So all these come into play um, as we design our research and um, implement and disseminate the results. Leonard, please, did you want to add? The project have insisted on involving the, the Minister of Health. So the Minister of Health is a partner in this project and we know policy uh, are the ones which are shaping the service. And uh, therefore, the uptake of what is coming out from the project will go directly to the Minister of Health and then will shape the policy and, and the practice direct to, to the community. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and it's, it helps us understand community in this term, in this kind of context as well. I think when we've explored community, it has such a wide definition. And across all of our episodes, the word community has changed depending on the, the research. So thank you for clarifying that. Lucy, I will hand over to you to explore the, the project a, a little bit more. Thank you very much, Kim. I think this is really getting interesting. Uh, I think we've really covered a big scope, you know, in the context of what we are speaking about, uh, broadly about ourselves, broadly about, you know, implementation research uh, in the various contexts. Now, what I want us to do is just to narrow down uh, with regard to the project that Uzo and Katambula have explained about antenatal postnatal care uh, in East Africa, a program that is funded by Global Fund and being implemented by the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine in Kenya, Nigeria, and Tanzania. So this segment, uh, as we go to the next, we are really going to focus specifically on the project. To just begin, I would like to just ask you, Uzo, to please just give us a little bit more highlights of the scope of the implementation research under the Global Fund Funded Project. That will be helpful. So basically, um, what we are doing is looking at quality improvement of integrated HIV, TB, TB malaria, um, services in antenatal care and postnatal care in all these countries that you have mentioned. 
Uh, and what is key in this is that you know, there are several important aspects of the projects. I will just highlight the key ones. The first is that we're doing a health facility assessment. I mentioned earlier about um, coverage of services being important. So we want to understand what is being offered in the health facility. So we selected what we believe to be representative of you like program sample of health facilities across these countries and specifically in Tanzania and in Zanzibar where we can look at that availability of um, health workers to handle all this ANC and PNC, availability of equipment, medications, and actually um, service provision, how many patients are being seen in, in the facility and all that. So we can understand what is on ground, what is available, how much coverage is there. And then we are looking at um, training or capacity building, like you mentioned earlier, the competency-based training of um, healthcare practitioners. And this is in the area of ANC and PNC with specific emphasis in integrated HIV, TB, malaria service. And that's because these three infectious diseases are a major um, health concern in most developing world, and especially in Sub-Saharan Africa where we work. So we are channeling training through that and improving our approach of, doing, of delivering this training from face-to-face -to, -face to making it blended, bringing in technology to improve it, improve both the quantity, the quality, and the reach of the training. So in addition, we're also doing other forms of improvement in quality. This is just a way of encouraging the health workers themselves to choose important milestones they want to achieve in certain um, standards. For instance, what we call or respectful maternity care, we want to make sure that the people who access services here, yeah, access it in a respectful manner. Then they can choose that. Um, I, or, I'll put it in a way that we can monitor it, identify gaps as they implement it and address those gaps. So these are the key things that we are doing in terms of the quality improvement. Thank you very much, Dr. Uzo, for that highlight. I don't know whether Dr. Katambula, you might have something that to add in terms of just the scope. I want to add on the relevance of the project to the to the country, as we, we have said, the context also determine the, 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 the validity of the project. In Tanzania, we, we know that in the previous five years, there was a massive development of infrastructure to the, to the health sector. And uh, much of the health facilities were built, and, uh, but later on it was discovered that the quality of service was not to the level of the investment in terms of infrastructure. So having this project, which is focusing on on quality of service and the quality improvement actually is a, is a very timing complement to the effort that was, was done in the previous five years. So we are sure that with this project, we will have something to say to the government and how the service have been improved. And I think the community will benefit now from the two parts of the, of the investment, the first of the infrastructure and now the second on the quality of, of service. Thank you. you know, sometimes when we want to really implement projects, uh, we design, uh, quote unquote, on our desks. When you go to the ground, you find that sometimes things change. Uh, and some of the research and some of the things that we really wanted to do, yes, we will do them, but then something clicks. We, we know in, in, in implementation research, as we, we have said, we are looking for a solution to people's problems. And, and then the, we, we are sure what you are saying, 
that means was somehow a weakness because we think based on our background, based on our literature review, that we know the people's problem. And then when you go to the field, you find that there are more that was supposed to be considered before designing the, the, the intervention. So now, now in implementation research, we usually design together. We put up a concept and then we, we, we go to the community. Now we, we design the, 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 the intervention together, what we call the co-creation of the intervention. And that's give us an opportunity to be sure that at the end of this intervention, we'll have solved the problem of the community. So that's that's how we do it. I was trying to think of an example. Um, I, you know, I'm in the middle of looking at our data and trying to analyze. And one of the things that just jumped out at me is the question. And um, we're looking at quality improvement of integrated services. So the first question is how integrated are the services in the first place? So when we talk about integrated health services, we are talking about availability of um, several services within the same place. So it's easy for both the health worker and the patient to access everything within that same um, platform or that's, that same area. So I think we went off with that um, understanding of the health system that, yeah, this is the case. But one of the things we are finding that it is really not the case. For instance, testing for tuberculosis is not always available in many antenatal care settings. Um, another thing we found was that even testing for syphilis, which is supposed to be very basic uh, at the initial ANC, um, is not happening at the rate at which we expect. So yes, um, I think this is the beauty of implementation research. When you're working within the routine system, you'll be able to see what things are and what they are in reality and be able to, to deal with them. So at the top of my head, what I'm thinking that we are going to do is that we're going to ask new questions. We are going to write up new proposals. We are going to, first of all, um, make sure that everyone understands these data. We seek explanation for it as much as we can from what we're already doing, and then look forward to addressing them in the next step. So the whole idea of the framework with Global Fund actually is towards building resilient health systems. And we want to make sure that as we're identifying some of these gaps while we're addressing something else. You know, it's just uh, rolling with the punches, I would say, as researchers uh, of your caliber and the experience you have. So glad. Please tell us about the institutional collaborations and capacity strengthening opportunities under this program. A very major part of it, actually, is the engagement of universities, institutions for capacity building of students. So we have PhD students that we are supporting across all these countries. Um, so we've got collaborations with both the University of Dodoma and State University of Zanzibar, and, and Leonard knows a lot more about that than myself. And these are um, we're supporting PhD positions in these universities that are focusing on not only um, quality improvement of integrated HIV, TB, NC, and PNC services, but looking deeper within the health system on, the, on all the aspects of delivering this um, quality care and all the ways of improving um, outcomes as far as ANC and PNC. Uh, not only are they going to be the next generation of researchers, but their contribution will help address the big question of um, improvements in maternal and neonatal um, morbidities and mortalities or outcomes in general. Also, you have just forgotten to say the Western and the Eastern collaboration, the flow of knowledge from the Western to Eastern, but also from Eastern to Western. There is exchange of knowledge between the two sides. 
but also, as we have said, uh, we, we benefit from other resources that are coming. In our countries, sometimes we face resource limitations. We, we have limited resources. We, we, we have problems that we maybe we want to solve based on uh, this implementation research, but you find we have limited resources. So the collaboration uh, actually resolve some of these challenges. There are more benefits that will be coming on both sides. Knowing Uzo, knowing Lose also is also a benefit of, of collaboration. And also knowing Kim, these are the benefits of the collaborations. Dr. Katalambula, maybe I know you've quite focused on the institution of the university, Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, University of Dodoma, the State University of Zanzibar, and um, that has really come out quite clearly, but I just wanted to learn how that collaboration is going with other stakeholders, namely, you know, the national government, the local authorities, I, I think in Tanzania we have the, the districts, but also at the facility level and if there's a link you know with the community if that can be highlighted from the experts view how is that collaboration we are working with local government because of the facilities that we are working with are found in the local government authority uh, we, we have introduced the project to the local government to the regional administration and then the district administration going down to the facility level uh, and uh, anything that will be coming out is going to influence the policy and the practice at the local level. But also the project is going down again to the community direct because the aim is to improve the quality of service. The kind of training that is given to healthcare workers, but also the contribution of equipment that will be given to the facilities is going to benefit direct to the community members. Another important collaboration we actually have is with um, the Okoni University that is based in Italy. I'm bringing this up because I forgot to mention at the beginning that one of the components of our work is actually an economic assessment to assess the impact of our training on economic outcomes. So is it is it something that they can afford? Or how, how is it useful? Will it save money? Is it something um, that is worth doing? They are not only just helping to look at that aspect of our work, but they are also helping to build capacity in our PhD students. It's not the matter of having PhDs. How does PhD translate into the life of the normal people? So these people are going to do their research and their research are intended to strengthen the quality of service to the normal people. So I'm really looking forward to this kind of research that will come out. It, it will give us really a lot, especially people of policy making, uh, economic surveys, uh, of doing things more efficiently, more effectively. I'm looking forward to see what will come out of this research. What are some of the benefits and opportunities of the program to the University of Dodoma, Leonard, uh, uh, in the context that you've described to us, the content, I mean, the components of the program, what will be done, uh, what is it that it will give uh, the, the University of Dodoma? We have other benefits that are coming to the University of Dodoma. We know the program is having a training component uh, where capacity strengthening is going to be done first to the instructors. We, we call them the master trainers. And we are sure some of our, our instructors here at the University of Dodoma will be trained on the quality improvement. And this will trickle down to, to, to a number of students who will be trained here because the instructors are always here at the university. So the knowledge gained 
is going to benefit uh, a large number of people. I think it's also a big opportunity for University of Zuma and State University of Zanzibar to increase their or improve their visibility um, based on taking advantage of the platform of LSCM that is a long-standing research and academic institution. Um, I mean, many of these universities that we work with have really been doing research. They've really been involved in different kinds of inquiries and scientific exercises. But the collaborations like this become very important in helping to highlight what they've been doing and, and increasing the visibility of these universities in, in the world stage. Um, so I look forward to that. And I'll, I always love the opportunity of collaborating with academic institutions in the South. And we've come up with some output be it a paper or some important dissemination thing that has the names of these universities, the workers in those places, staff from those places, as co-equal um, researchers, um, people who are equally contributing to global health in their rights. But he that was not known um, and because of not having the platform that brings them out in, the, in this sort of light. So um, I, I, I think that's a very important thing um, that we, we are working together and, and we're able to to showcase our output together, and we're able to improve our visibility in, in the research international community you know, together. I look at that as a very important. So is that benefit across board for everyone? It's a win-win situation really uh, with lots of that. I think the biggest benefit, you know, with this, uh, with the work that we do, you know, there's the human touch really also. Uh, we are creating new relationship, uh, new, if it were not for these programs. So I'll stop there because I can speak endlessly, but I'll give it back to you, Kim. Thank you very much. So to summarize, your program is cross-disciplinary. It has economic analysis, has qualitative, quantitative analysis. It's about resilience, building health systems, and also building relationships. So thank you for that very much. So Catalambula, you said co-creation with communities. How can we better connect with communities? Whatever we are doing is just to solve the community problems. So whenever they are doing the PhD student, you should have a component of working with the communities and then engaging the community in designing the solution to the problem that they have. Connecting with the community, we start with looking for the problem that are actually in the community, and then you go to the community, you dig the details of the problem, and then you talk to the community, you design the, the, the intervention together. So as Uzo said before, that the community can be the Ministry of Health, can be the local government, can be the institutions, that's according to the definition that we have in this project. So if uh, we are addressing a policy issue, it is wise now to talk to the ministry, to talk to the local government and see what are the challenges and then you design the, the solution based on what they, they need. Thank you. Thank you. Co-creating solutions and remember to identify who is the community to involve. Final words, Uzo. What advice would you give for others working in this area? For me, I would like to speak from my heart and from my experience. The first, my top advice is understand the context where you work. Researchers must make efforts to understand the people that we work with, how things work there, what their cultures are, what is important to them. And we can't do this unless we are embedded in that system. So um, I've always been the um, a, a, a proponent of saying researchers must embed themselves in their research context. Uh, one of the things that, that make us removed is when you stay so far away and then you're looking at the problems, you can't relate them to the people, you can't relate them to the structures around. 
So that's for me is the top advice. Make a lot of efforts to understand the contest that we work on. We've talked a lot about those contests and embed ourselves there. And then look at those things from the eyes of the community. How do they see antenatal care? How do they see HIV and TB? What is important to them in these things? And, and then work, work from there. That really works. Um, and Lucy was really good that you mentioned the human part of things. And for me, that's also the ultimate. Research is not all about data. Data is about human beings. And, um, and we can't make much effort beyond just data and analysis if we don't embed ourselves in the context, understand what is important to them, how they think and respond to those things. And that brings in the co-creation Leonard was talking about. And when we are in that kind of state, we'll be able to co-create, we'll be able to think together, things work more work much better. And Kimi from I give a very quick interesting example of what happened to me when we when I graduated from the medical school. So there were these nurses that were very good in setting up young doctors. You know, you don't you want to get there and think, oh, I know it all, you don't need the nurses. And then they just call you and say, oh, that child is having a convulsion. And they sit back and watch you. I remember you pounced on they said, no, no, you need to wash your hands. You say, oh no, you need to get a glove. Why you need to do that? So I learned the lesson of sister, how do you do it? It's a big thing for me that endeared me to the hearts of people I worked. I always ask the nurses, how is it done here? How do you do it? You know, and then they put me through. So I use that same approach when I'm researching in the community. How do things work here? What is important to you? How do you see what we want to do? So that's my top advice to um, colleagues that are doing implementation research. So really bring out the nuances of what's happening in reality. And the only way to do that is to embed yourself in it. And let's think together. I like that a lot. Let's think together moving forward. So thank you for joining today. Thank you to our guests. You've been wonderful. Thank you for our brand new co-host, Lucy. And as always, thank you to our listeners. The voices you've heard today and the voices you hear in all our episodes uh, contribute. And in order to continue hearing from them, please like, share, subscribe and listen uh, moving forward and support us. So thank you, listeners. Thank you and goodbye for now. Thank you very much. 